You're listening to Crip Podcast. For show notes, comments, and other links, please visit crip.io. In today's podcast, we're going to interview a highly passionate software tester. He's context-driven and always hungry to learn more. The guy I'm talking about is, of course, Jordi Kitt. Welcome, Jordi. Hi. So, Jordi, um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what you do? Sure. Uh, I've been testing software since 1995. And around uh, 2000, I uh, ran across James Bach and his work and have been working in the rapid software testing and session-based test management style of things ever since. Um, I uh, started doing testing at a little company called Disclosure in Bethesda, Maryland, which did uh, document delivery of such as uh, financial documents, such as uh, 10Ks and 10Qs and whatnot, things that that um, investors would want to know about a company. And then when the internet came online, they found they uh, they needed to move everything online or else they were going to go out of business. And so I had a, uh, there was quite a bit of work there to, to move testing forward in that direction. Um, I went uh, into... Uh, a startup in in Washington D.C. Uh, to finish out the the millennium in the ninety nine two thousand. That was where I ran across uh, James and his work. Um, a particular highlight of my career was to work for the government of the U.S. Uh, for the Federal Communications Commission, uh, leading the testing of the software that they use to auction the uh, bandwidth spectrum licenses that. Um, bring in quite a bit of money for the government. And then I spent about 10 years working in Woodbridge, Virginia for a small software company that uh, does project management consulting and methodology using critical chain methodology. So we uh, we had a Microsoft project-based Windows environment and, a, and an enterprise web service that we would put up. Um, and then, uh, so I worked there for a while until Paul Holland uh, invited me to come and join Dorm Jones uh, in New York City, and now I work with Paul uh, and Keith Klein at Dorn Jones, and I have the wonderful opportunity to work with Victor as well. Nice. Yeah, it's, it's a great pleasure to work with you uh, too, Jordy. I, I, I was a little, a little bit curious when when you told us about James Bach. Uh, you met him in, around the millennium, um, but. But how did you stumble across him? What happened? Did you meet him at some conference, or did yes, you... as he was the keynote speaker at a testing conference that I went to in New Orleans. It was a ASQ, American Society for Quality conference. Um, I was at this startup. Uh, we were working very, very hard uh, as a, a small group of testers with a somewhat larger group of developers, and these were really, really productive, prolific developers putting out incredibly complex stuff that was just more complex than I could keep up with as a a solo person or somebody with with an assistant and um, so I thought I needed to go and and learn more about how to do my job so 
uh, I went to a conference and I, I, I started looking into getting certified and, and, you know, I took a few of those, those cramming courses to prep for certification and none of it really spoke to me, but I, I went to this conference and, uh, uh, and James did the, uh, the keynote there and basically he said, yeah, everything that you are doing is wrong. I don't expect anything to change in the next 10 years. And uh, I expect that I will always have a, a market as a, a niche, you know, boutique kind of rebel uh, tester because I do things in a way that makes sense and nobody else here really does. And I thought to myself, this is awesome. And my assistant looked at him and said, I hate this guy. <laughs> uh, and uh, that was pretty much the way that the room divided up. It was pretty much like 90% of them looked at him and said, I hate this guy. And about 10% of us said, he makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So uh, I made sure that I introduced myself to him. I found out that he was in Virginia, just a, a little less than an hour down the road from me. Mm-hmm. And so I made a point to go and, and visit him and take one of his classes, uh, which was one of the very first iterations of his rapid software testing class. Um, and I ended up, uh, since I was I was so close by, I ended up becoming one of his sort of assistant teachers and taught the class with him many times over the next couple of years. Wow. Was that locally uh, in the state or, or did you travel? He was based in Virginia uh, as well as I was, so we worked together uh, several times. Yeah, I, I didn't have to travel except over to Front Royal. Um, he had uh, he he did the courses there at his at his um, uh, lab, I guess you would call it, or his office. Yeah, but I I believe that that uh, the most controversial leaders are the ones that get most shit done. If you know what I mean. Uh, and, I, and that's why I think that you that you connected to him somehow. Absolutely. Well, absolutely. I mean, the the essence of what he was saying was mm. right in line with what I needed at the moment, which was there's never a complete testing solution. No. There's only uh, a series of half measures because testing is an infinite problem. So you you can't approach it with the with the goal of completely uh, testing anything. The yeah. only thing is to do your best with what you have and make smart choices and be open about what you have gotten done. And that that was exactly what I I needed to hear because yeah. I felt that all of this pressure to have everything done at all times and and any report that i made that said that i wasn't completely done was somehow you know uh unwelcome yeah. and uh so I, I i i went back to the people that i worked for and i said here is what i can do for you and this is as much as i can get done and we'll work together on on uh doing our best and they uh they said jordy that sounds great that's that's pretty much what we were expecting so Go to it, and um, yeah, yeah. So, but but before that, you you did more of a traditional way of of testing things, the waterfall model, like like when you started out in in ninety five uh, to ninety nine. Yeah, I, I did. I did. I did. Yeah, I tried to uh, develop the matrixes. You know, that I was like, I need my requirements in line, and I need to have uh, a case for each requirement and um, you know I found it very frustrating to work that way because it 
was out of step with the realities of the projects that I was on. Um, but uh, it's yeah, I mean, you know, I, <laughs> I did I did the best I I could back then to uh, uh, to, to try to lay everything out and and um, uh, cover all the bases, but where i where i succeeded was where i had people who were sensible who were in charge of me you know people who were who were uh, aware of what testing was and and how uh, everything really worked um and where i struggled was was where i had people in charge of me who were sort of hoping to minimize the thought that they had to give to testing um and so they they wanted they wanted testing to be deterministic, and mm. whenever I presented such you know uh, <laughs> evidence that it wasn't, mm. they said, "Well, then you must be doing it wrong." So, mm. um, uh, you know, I I used all of these these tools that you you learn about, you know, the the, the requirements, traceability stuff, and the. Um, uh, board, you know, boundary testing and and things like that, where you you lay out the equivalence classes and and whatnot, as much as uh, a sort of blame management tool as a test management tool, <laughs> in order in order to uh, be able to present some evidence that yes, I am thinking about all these things. Mm. Uh, uh, so you know, leave me alone and, and let us do our jobs. Um, but it was just a, a real relief to have someone with some authority in the field say, you know, it's perfectly fine to approach testing as a non-deterministic, infinite process uh, with a human element, uh, and then and actually work that way. Um, and have arguments laid out for that approach uh, that I could take to people that were trying to, uh, to, you know, to manage me and say, this is how I would really like to be managed and, and then have conversations about it with them. Cool. Around, around that time, you, you, you were speaking that you, you joined a startup company uh, uh, around the same time as your sort of context-driven revelation Occurred. That's right. Um, that was kind of like uh, good timing in itself, right? It was. It was absolutely. I mean, I the the startup was a real stretch mm. um, for me from a professional standpoint. I mean, I was I, I was definitely one of the you know I'd gone from being one of the sort of brightest people in the room to <laughs> middle or or back of the pack in terms of just sheer mental horsepower these guys were really 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 sharp incredibly prolific and they they uh uh they just had so many ideas and went in so many directions it was very difficult to to grasp what they were trying to do and sort of corral them long enough to know where I could be the most help. And so, um, uh, it, it was quite stressful, uh, in many ways. And at the same time, obviously it presented incredible opportunities for, 
for growth and for uh, for learning, and also was an environment that was uh, open to taking in these non-traditional methods of of uh, covering things and describing the testing problem. Um, because, you know, because it's uh, the, the way that James approaches things appeals to smart people, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And, um, so they, they were all very, very smart and they all saw the value in what I was proposing to do differently. And, uh, so, yeah, so it worked out very well. It, 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 pre- it, it, it presented the situation that was incompatible with a, uh, deterministic approach to test management and and also the environment for accepting <laughs> the uh, the alternative approach and so yes you're absolutely right it was uh, it was quite uh, lucky that this was where I ended up at that point in time but getting into the other uh, the other subject um, yeah please what is what do you define painful with your work today these days painful yeah. Yeah, it could be today or it could be uh, anytime. Uh, I think that that where I experience the most pain is is with um, the anxiety around telling people things that they might not want to hear. Mm. So, you know that that it, it comes down again to these interpersonal relationships. There are there are some people that uh, simply have got their uh, world set up in a way that that means that that it curtails my ability to be forthright with them about where I am with testing. And there are other people who have got more leeway <laughs> in terms of what I'm what I'm able to report to them in a way that that uh, uh, doesn't make them uh, uh, feel upset or as though their world is, uh, has got information in it that they really wish wasn't there. <laughs> yeah. Do so, you mean of a yes. customer point or the developer point uh, that you? It de- it's it all depends on the. Yeah, it can be either one. It yeah, can be okay. either one. Um, uh, I, I mean, I've I've been in situations where I've been on tech support, and um, I, I, you know, someone will call up and and you're always like, oh great, so and so's on the line, okay. Yeah. And so then they have got a question and, and, you know, they don't want to hear the answer that you're going to give them and they're going to be uh, difficult about it. Or um, uh, you've got somebody, uh, you know, who uh, is not in- interested in, in uh, a new approach to something and wishes to have everything the way that it was under uh, a, uh, a, a previous regime and you you can't offer that so you have to manage the pain of transition and that's that's the that's the pain the most painful thing i i find most technological problems um not ultimately painful i mean as victor knows i just spent uh, parts of about two and a half or three weeks trying to get <laughs> the uh the get proxying to work from a roku okay. and uh, that was that was a very frustrating because it it took a very long time to work out everything that had to happen but um we uh, we finally made it and that was that was great and so in some ways the pain uh, the 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 absence of pain feels so good that the pain was almost yeah, worth it in the first exactly. place. 
<laughs> but is it the same in the in the states as it is in here that um, non-techies can um, be quite ignorant about uh, how much energy and time stuff take? That's a very good question. I, I yes, absolutely. Uh, non-technical people can can really be uh, <laughs> yeah. the uh, a sticky a sticky point because they will. Uh, look at a, a, a list of things that have to get done and imagine that it's like going to the grocery store, you know. Exactly. As long as you spend enough time in the aisles, it should all end up in your cart. Mm. Uh, what they don't understand is that you're actually inventing everything in front of you. <laughs> Before you can have it in your store. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, yes, I agree completely. The interesting thing, I think, is that... Um, I don't know if it's so much about technical technicalness of the person, if that's the right word. Yeah. Um, it's it's more the the ability that a person has to absorb uh, conflicting information. Mm. So there are there are some people where they can't. They, they 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 feel very uncomfortable with open options. They want to close their options off as early and as as uh, dramatically as possible. Mm. So uh, when you tell them it, it could go either way, then that's that's something that they really don't want to hear. Uh, and that can be a technical person. It can be uh, a manager person. It can be. Um, you know, uh, a child, <laughs> yeah. you, you don't, you know, it's a, it, it, it depends on, on their adaptability within a context. Hmm. And that's, that's the, the source of the pain is where, you know, within a particular context that there are options, there are, there are multiple paths th uh, that are, you know, uh, at, at some likelihood, could occur still, and so you you have to give out that uncertainty, and then they'll say, "But, but I can't make my decisions until you tell me what's going to happen." And the earlier I can make my decisions, the quicker I can, you know, go play golf or do whatever it is that I would rather do. Yeah. Um, and uh, that that that's that person can be a, a an excellent programmer or an excellent accountant or whatever technical specialty that. That you're in they they simply at that moment don't want uncertainty uh clouding their decision making exactly process and and that's uh, the the source the source of the pain so jordi um what about the things you love what about uh what are you passionate about when it comes to uh, your profession what what is triggering you to like push harder Hmm. <laughs> That's a great question. Um, I I really feel that uh, teaching testing is m sort of my next big um, you know area to conquer. Uh, I've got a lot of experience with it, and I, I have experience in a variety of roles. 
and uh, I would be interested in in building on the the teaching processes that James Bach, uh, Michael Bolton, Paul Holland, uh, other people have yeah. have developed, um, and also be able to add on uh, more about more about management, more about team building, uh, more about how one goes about placing people into different roles. I mean, uh, Victor and I are uh, looking ahead at uh, at our client site in how we're going to grow our presence there mm. and uh, that the, all of the decision making and and uh, discovery that we're going through on that and that we are going to be going through on that I think would make a, an absolutely fascinating case study and, and it eventually could be the sort of thing where where we uh, you know codify it and, and write it up and say this is the sort of thought processes that one has to go through in order to do a good job of planning to grow a testing team and and uh, uh, hire the right people and put them in the right situation. So, uh, the 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 situation that I'm in right now, where I'm a senior test manager at at Doran Jones, uh, I'm I'm having to navigate a large variety of situations in fairly rapid succession. I mean, in a, in a few weeks, I could be on a different project than I'm on now. And, uh, you know, a few weeks ago, I was on a different project than the one I'm on now. And every time that I go into a client, uh, I really have to navigate the personal and technical landscapes uh, very rapidly and assess where things are going well, where we can improve, try to determine a strategy for getting us into a, a best position to succeed and, and either maintain the business, grow the business. Um, uh, you know, what are we going to do next? It's a, it, all of that uh, gives me the, a, a very strong motivation to get fast at those kinds of decisions. And, and um, uh, so, I mean, at the moment, I'm not really in a mode where I'm trying to learn to test better and more quickly. I'm in a mode where I'm trying to learn how to assess client-based situations yeah. with test teams and uh, interfaces with management and uh, determining the client's expectations and figuring out how we can exceed them. Those are are you know, in a testing context, uh, obviously they involve testing and they involve, uh, uh, they, they, you know, I'm valuable in them because of my testing experience and my test management experience, but they're not strictly about interfacing with a computer or interfacing with a user or a, a, a business owner or a requirements owner. It's much more about, um, understanding and navigating the the political the financial uh power landscape of the of the client situation and and um setting ourselves up to to succeed and and the client to succeed with our help um and that's something that that uh i'm absolutely fascinated by i have a long way to go to master mm. and uh, i'm i'm working hard to working hard to learn what, what my weaknesses are and shore those up. Um, but, but getting back to that, um, that you said that you want to 
to teach testing and you want to be in the process of building the perfect teams. Um, yeah. I feel that very inspiring and, and uh, fascinating because I, I believe it's that um, to become a better person and become better at your job is that you have to focus on that alone is harder and together is better. Um, so mm. you actually, you, you can become the best tester in the world by actually teaching others uh, what you already know and how you can actually set up uh, the perfect teams. Uh, and that's why we, uh, what I really like what you're saying. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, the, the, uh, there's an amazing talent pool of, mm. of testers that have uh, revealed themselves through these um, podcasts and uh, uh, conferences, blogs, Twitter, uh, people who, who have got a lot of experience, a lot of ideas, a lot of enthusiasm. And uh, uh, trying to find the best opportunities for, for these folks, um, you know, trying to find the best uh, fit for our needs uh, it's just just fabulous that we have this community to draw from and mm. to place these opportunities into. But so, uh, build, building a team uh, for you when you when you go out to to like client sites or when you meet people, could you could you sometimes like see that oh this person would be a perfect fit uh, in in an agile team like this or. This person would 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 uh, do a great job as a tester. Do you have sort of the experience now that you could you know see forward in time? Yes, to some extent. I uh, I think that that um, I I mean I it, I don't know exactly how to say that this or that person would be a great tester unless. I've seen that they're that they've tested and that <laughs> they've they've actually uh, you know produced some results. Yeah. Um, but I I can with fair confidence say yeah this person is going to learn the things that we need to learn uh, in a time frame that we can manage, or this person is going to uh, be able to understand enough of the uh, problems that we're trying to solve to be able to run a team that that um, uh, can go out and, and solve them as long as there's enough domain expertise mm. on a team. So I actually feel fairly confident that, that I can I can uh, uh, identify uh, people with the, the the cognitive capacity to understand problems and uh, understand the ways of to, to use people uh, effectively um, more so than I can necessarily say yes I know a person who can find bugs in a particular slice of software yeah. um, just because uh, the the leadership component and the the problem solving component is fairly evident uh, based on talking with them and seeing what sort of 
uh, language they use, what sort of thought processes they use when you present them with with problems to solve, mm-hmm. and uh, if if they uh, if they they stop their thought process fairly early on in the in the discovery phase, then you might say this this person is going to be good up to this point, but after that they're going to need uh, you know leadership and and uh, you know context management. Whereas someone who's able to take a thought process further and further and and run an argument through uh, several steps of consequence and action, reaction, re-reaction. Uh, that that person is going to have an easier time um, navigating a multi-week, multi-month, um, multi-step decision-making process. But do you think it's uh, equally important to find testers that believe what you believe uh, rather than, not rather than, but uh, that take in uh, their why and uh, in, in account before their skills? Goodness, taking their why into account? What was the word you said? Yeah, well, finding their why, why they do what they do, um, uh-huh. to actually, if yes, they believe absolutely. what you believe in the, in the context-driven testing. Um, they may not have many years of experience, but they they believe in something. Uh, and I think that's a key feature in, uh, uh, in, in some testers and developers today that they need to have. I can't agree more. Yes, absolutely. Um, we we can't be having arguments about methodology. <laughs> we mm. we need to be on the same page, and uh, uh, and you know that's one of the one of the things that um, as a as an organization, uh, Doran Jones, one of the reasons why. We recruit out of the uh, the conference yeah. circuit is because these are people who have consistently demonstrated uh, initiative towards learning more about this style of thinking about testing. Exactly. But we also have the partnership with Perscolas, mm-hmm. uh, where we find a lot of new uh, people. Uh, from all kinds of different backgrounds. Uh, and Jordi, uh, have you been teaching there? I'm, I'm not quite sure. Have you been teaching at Perscolas? I have been, not by myself. Uh, I've, been, I've been a uh, helper on a class or two, mm-hmm. basically. Um, you know, introduce yourself, Jordi. Hi, my name is Jordi. Um, you know, I will be here if you have any questions, that sort of thing. Uh, or uh, Paul or, or Michael might say, uh, you know, I'm going to introduce this next concept. Jordy, have you ever had occasion to utilize this concept in your work? And I'll pull out an anecdote and say, yes, uh, at so-and-so I did such and such and that that uh, can exemplify this particular thought process. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I haven't been in front of the class guiding them through the the course material um, to any extent. It's been quite a while since I, I taught the RST with James. Um, I think that that uh, one of the goals uh, for me over the next few months is to get me up to speed and able to do the training, um, but I'm, I'm not there yet. But you will be. 
for sure. Yeah. Um, getting on to the next topic, um, is there something you wish about testing? Yeah, it could be anything. <laughs> yeah, is there we're, something? we're still in the in the testing subject, obviously, but uh, <laughs> um, whatever comes to your mind, is there something that you wish? Boy, um, yeah, gosh, I I wish that. Uh, I wish that that uh, everything went faster. <laughs> Things take so much time. Um, well, at least uh, another hour on the on the day, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I wish that uh, I, I wish that uh, uh, you know uh, we could we could have a little more certainty in life, but, but you know, there's it's doesn't exist so <laughs> it's futile <laughs> but no I, I do I wish that uh, I wish that uh, I you know if I was going to you know be able to teach the RST course for Perscolis I wish it would happen in a week but it won't you know I wish that if uh, if uh, we could make a transition to um, you know being the the sole or the primary uh, test contractor at a vendor that it would take a week, but it won't. <laughs> it'll take a while, and there'll be lots of lots of meetings and lots of stakeholders yeah. to convince and and stuff like that. But um, you know, uh, movement is better than stasis, even even slow movement. So yeah. we we move along as best we can. Yeah, but you have to plan your work to work your plan, right? Yes. Yes. So, uh, Jordi, how would you define success? Man, how would I define success? You guys are not messing around on this podcast. No, we are no, bloody no, no. serious. <laughs> <laughs> These are great questions. I would define success. I mean, again, I'm going back to the relationship angle on things. I mean, I don't. Ultimately, I don't care that much about software. Uh, I wouldn't define success as the absence of bugs or the the um, you know ultimate in usability or things like this. Um, I I want uh, my I define success as people uh, giving each other what they really need and. Uh, and doing so in a productive and and sort of mutually respectful way, the um, uh, there are, there are so many situations that we run across where where people pretend to be okay with what they've got and what they would really like to have is something mm -hmm. different, but they don't feel comfortable asking for it. And uh, I'd like to be able to just, you know, I think it would be success to have those conversations, resolve them, either give them the thing that they think they want or convince them to take the other thing that they actually want and, uh, you know, resolve the expectations that, that cause the, the pain <laughs> that we talked about mm -hmm. before. Uh, and that's, that's, the, um, that's what I would consider success. In other words, is that um, you believe that when people can feel accountable for something, that's what you uh, feel is, uh, is success? 
accountable for something. Um, yeah, well, accountable. Um, I think accountable is that you feel that you're giving value to something. Huh. That's a very interesting use of the word accountable. But I'll I'll take it. Yes, I believe that that uh, when when the the stakeholders, if you want to use a jargony term, mm-hmm. uh, all feel that that they're contributing uh, substantially to the success and movement of a project and in a way that is is uh, uh, relatively smooth you know there it, where where the expectations have been worked out properly where the people are contributing value that is evident to themselves and to each other and that uh, I doesn't force anyone to compromise their principles. Uh, that feels like success to me. Uh, we we actually have to round this up now. Um, we don't hope you have felt uh, flabbergasted by our questions. Uh, but it, but <laughs> oh, I, I, en- I enjoyed it very much. Yeah, nice. I enjoyed it very much. I Great pleasure to having you here, Jordi. Thank you. Thank you, Victor. It's a pleasure to be here, and uh, I will see you tomorrow. Yeah, thank you for sharing your story. And uh... Next week, we will be back with another interesting podcast and uh, hopefully another interesting guest. Uh, until then, stay tuned on uh, Crypt.io and Facebook.com slash We will be uh, updating our uh, websites frequently. Thank you, Jordi, and thank you, Victor. Thanks. Thank you. Creep on. Creep on. Hey,